Well, good morning, everyone. I have a little, little story to share as we start the message today. I was at McDonald's the other day, and an elderly couple came in, and they were in front of me in line, and they ordered one hamburger, one small fry, and one small drink. And when they did that, I felt my heart tugging a little bit, and I said to them, can, can I buy you another meal? Because there are two of you. And the husband said, we share everything. So anyway, they got their meal. I got mine. I sat down and I watched him. He got a knife and he cut the hamburger perfectly in half. He got the fries and he counted them out to the exact number for each. And then they had two straws for the cup. So once again, my heart's tugging on me. I said, sir, listen, I have a few extra bucks. I, I can get you guys another meal. He said, we share everything. Well, I noticed that he ate the half a hamburger first, and she sat there watching. Then he ate the French fries next, and she sat there watching. I said, sir, why is your wife not eating? He said, I told you, we share everything. I'm going to give her my dentures now. All right, so a little humor to start before I give you the bad news. I was watching uh, the news. My sermon was prepared. I sent my notes to Courtney and Chriselle for the PowerPoint, for the bulletin. And then I saw on the news a little inflation report, which has affected us all. Over the last two years, the price of energy has gone up 34%. Fuel oil to heat homes has gone up 63%. Gas to fill your cars has gone up 38%. I think it's actually higher than that. Groceries are up 19%. You go and look at eggs and bread and stuff like that, it's, it's unbelievable. Cost of rent is up 12%. And they estimate that this has cost the average family $10,000 extra dollars because of this inflation. So... I say all this because we're in a stewardship series, which Dennis introduced last week, and we have to understand that despite the economic times in which we live, God is still the owner of everything, and we are his stewards. Now, I'd like to share a little 30-second song that we used to sing in church many years ago, and if we can get that going... I don't know whether I have to hit this again. Okay. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mind. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. He is my father's only mind as well. All right, that simple little song. Let me just repeat the lyrics. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mind. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. He is my father and they're mine as well. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Here's the key point. I know that he will care for me. 
Today I'm going to be talking about financial stewardship, and something else happened uh, the other day. Um, I started reading through the book of Genesis. I either read through the Bible every year cover to cover, or some years I do the Old Testament and the next year the New Testament. So I've done this dozens and dozens of times in my lifetime. And I came across two passages in Genesis in my reading. In Genesis 14, this is not on on the notes, this is not on here, it's just something I added. Genesis 14, 18 to 20, Abraham gave Melchizedek, the priest, one-tenth of everything he had. And in Genesis 28, 22, Jacob pledged to give God one-tenth of everything that God blessed him with. So the principle of the tithe is found in the first book of the Bible in several passages as an example to us for our giving. What I'd like to do now is share a little bit of testimony about how God has worked in my life, and then we'll look at uh, a few other topics along with that. Uh, last, last February, I gave my first message here, being a, a fairly new church attender and a new elder. I talked a little bit about the family. Uh, I mentioned to you that I became a Christian uh, at a place called Emmanuel Baptist Church in Maple Shade, New Jersey, because I had Sunday school teachers that taught the gospel. I had a pastor that preached the gospel. I was in vacation Bible school, and I heard the message, and I accepted Christ when I was about eight or nine. Uh, As I became a teenager, you know, peer pressure, people making fun of people that went to church, I was kind of a secret agent Christian. And then I met my wife um, and started dating her my senior year of high school, and she was not a believer at the time. Uh, She had dated my cousin. That's how I met her. I didn't steal her. I waited till they broke up. But she had met my cousin, who was a believer, who had done some witnessing to her. So I began to get serious about my faith so I could witness to my wife. My, My plan before I met my wife was to go to King's College up in in New York. I played basketball in high school, so my plan was to go up there and play basketball. When I started dating my wife, I was thinking about staying home and maybe going to the community college. So my parents kept prodding me, and we finally had it out one night. And we sat down at the kitchen table, my dad said, look, before you started dating Holly, you were intent on going to King's. And I understand you like her and you want to stay home, but we really think it's best for you to go to a Christian college. And here's the deal we'll make. If you go for one year, I will help you pay part of your bill. If you go for one year, if you don't like it, whatever, and you want to come back home, do it. So finally, I said, okay. I didn't want to battle anymore. I said, okay. Well, that move of going to King's College up in Briarcliff Manor, New York, was the best move that I made in my life to that point, and it's still one of the best decisions I ever made. Because it was there, under the influence of godly professors and godly coaches, that I began to grow more in my faith. Now, King's, the tuition, (laughs) $3,100 the first year. Private Christian college, room and board, and tuition. Um, It sounds like a bargain, but back then, the state schools were like $1,000 a year. So... I had gotten a job with a cousin of mine, and I worked construction during the summer. My cousin was only four years older than me. He wasn't educated book-wise, but he was good with his hands. He knew construction, and he had a system down where we would frame a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that was two stories high, and we would frame the walls, put the plywood on the roof, set the windows and doors, and have it done in a week or less. So I was working 40 hours in 90-degree heat, 
eight hours a day. And I started at $2.50 an hour, and eventually, as I worked, he'd give me little raises. Uh, and I reached the point to where I was making $5 an hour. And $5 an hour back then was two and a half times minimum wage. So that would be like a college student today, maybe making $35 an hour, if you want to put it in today's money. So on Friday afternoon, I would get my check for $200. And yeah, I felt pretty good, $200 check. So one day when I got my check and came home, my dad said, are you a Christian? And I looked at him. I was taken back a little bit because I'd accepted Christ and I was attending a Christian college where I was taking a Bible course every semester and I was growing in my faith. So I responded, yes, Dad, I'm a believer. Why would you ask such a question? He said to me, are you being obedient to God by tithing your money? Whoa, took a step back. If I was to ask you that question right now, are you being obedient to God and tithing your money? Think about that. Well, my answer was no. So he challenged me, and he gave me some scriptures to look at. And the first one is up here, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And those things are the material items that you need to live, food and clothing and shelter. And also what was shared was the next verse, Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and therefore Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing for you until there is no more need. So with these scriptures that I learned in childhood and with my dad's uh, kind of exhortation to be obedient and begin tithing, I began to tithe. Now I want to tell you, I cashed that check and got that $20 bill. Might be equivalent to a $50 bill or a $100 bill today. And the offering plate came, and I took my wallet out, and I put the $20 in that offering plate. It was tough, because you see, when I was a little kid, my parents gave me a quarter or 50 cents to put in the offering plate. So when it came by, I put that money in gladly, because it wasn't mine, and there was no pain to it. Now I'm taking that $20, it took me four hours of work in 90 degree heat, and I'm putting that in the plate. But you know what? That broke some of my selfishness of the thought that this is my money. No, it's not. It's God's money. So I began at that time to faithfully tie the rest of my way through college. After completing four years of college, and by the way, um, I graduated from that Christian college that was double the tuition room and board of the state schools, debt-free. Debt-free. God enabled me to make money during the summer. I had some scholarships and grants, and my parents kicked in. I graduated debt-free, which was even an amazing feat back then. So after completing four years of college, I moved to this area, took a job at Camp Springs Christian School for the whopping sum of $7,450 a year with a bachelor's degree from a four-year college. The public school teachers were making in the range of eleven dollars to $12,000 a year at that time. But I felt called to ministry, and I felt that God could take care of my needs. My wife got a job at Southern Maryland Hospital working as an RN, so, so we were doing okay. We, we were definitely not poor. But 
I was tithing my money, and I became buddies with a, with a uh, teacher that actually went to my college and graduated two years before me. I knew him a little bit. I think we played on an intramural softball team together. And then he came up to me one day, and he said, let me ask you, uh, are you tithing your money? I said, well, yeah, I, I tithe my take-home pay after they take out all the taxes and stuff. I, I give them my 10%. So he said to me, and, and it's somewhere along the lines of this next scripture, when Jesus was confronted about the giving, what should we do? The disciples are asking him. And Jesus said, well, you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. So he was saying, why are you not tithing on your gross income? Well, I had a look at this scripture and I did not have an excuse. So I took the next step of faith, and I began to tithe on my gross income. So here's my gross income. Here comes the government taking a nice little chunk out, and then I'm giving my 10% for my tithe. Now I have the rest to, to live off of. So continuing in the story, we had four kids, and my youngest son uh, was born a little over 33 years ago. And when we started having children, we took a little step of faith. We wanted my wife to be home to raise the children. So she went from working five days a week as an RN to going to two nights a week. And so, you know, we took a cut in pay. And, and, and the sad thing was, in her two nights a week, she was making just about what I was as a Christian school teacher. <laughs> That was a little humbling, but um, she made more when she was working full-time. Now we're making about the same, and she's working two nights a week. So I designed and built my own house in Clinton, and my wife found out that if she went on an alternative benefits program, meaning that they would take away her vacation time, and they would take away her sick leave, but they would pay her like, I'm just going to say like $1.50, $2 more per hour, well, since I was building the house, I thought that's a good plan because we can, we can buy some more materials and my mortgage won't be as big. So she actually had to work one extra night every two weeks to do that. So while we were doing this, we were buying materials and we were keeping the cost of the loan down a little bit. But when she gave birth to my youngest son, Jonathan, she took three months off of maternity leave. And these three months were without pay at all. And during that time, we spent $1,000 more than what we were bringing in. Now, fortunately, I'm, I'm always a kind of a money manager. My wife will tell you that I'm a tightwad. I'll say that I'm frugal. I had to manage a $5.5 million budget at Grace Brethren in Clinton for the school, so I'm very careful with my spending. But you know, she wasn't making money for three months, so we had to dip into our savings. Now, we had a rainy day fund, which is good, and I'm just going to take a little side note here. For those of you who may be struggling paycheck to paycheck, and you don't have any money in a rainy day fund, if you can discipline yourself, a lot of banks will set up this thing where you can have $25 or $50 taken out per paycheck and put into a savings account. If you put in $50 a month, 
you'll have $600 at the end of the year in the savings for a broken down car or some kind of repair. Uh, if you put in $100 a month, that's $1,200 that you'll have. So think about that. And by the way, a lot of banks now, if you get a one-year CD, they're paying 4% interest or better. We haven't seen that for years. Of course, some of that's thanks to inflation. <laughs> uh, so getting back to the story, three months without having my wife's salary coming in, things are tight, I'm in the hole a little bit. I finished coaching a basketball practice at school, and it was probably about 5, 5.30, and I was getting ready. It's getting dark outside. I'm getting ready to leave and go home. When this disheveled guy comes walking through the gym doors, they weren't locked, so he comes walking in, and he says, I need to talk to a Christian. I said, well, I'm a Christian. I'm working at a Christian school here. I'm getting prepared to share my faith with him. I said, how can I help you? He said, well... I just accepted Christ in Georgia, and the atmosphere down there isn't good. I work as a painter. So I'm moving back to Massachusetts to my home to get away from the crowd down there, and I plan to be a painter up there. But I cashed my last paycheck so I would have money for gas and food and expenses coming up, and my car broke down, and the water pump had to be replaced. And I used that money to get home for the water pump. Now, I'm a little skeptical, a guy comes walking in off the street. Now, he was really, he was dressed like in painter's clothes. He, he looked like a bum. And I, will, I looked at his car, and the car was probably a 15-year-old car, and I saw the Georgia plate. So I, I ascertained he's probably being up front with me. So I pull out my wallet, and I look at my wallet. I got $6 cash, because this is Thursday, and payday is Friday. I said, well, I'm getting paid tomorrow. So I pulled out my $6. I gave it to him. I said, sir, there's a gas station across the street. Gas was about a dollar a gallon. So this will probably give you like a half tank to you know, help you on your way. So he thanked me, took the money, thanked me for it. He said he's going to stop at a couple other churches, see if he can gather a little more so he has enough money to pay tolls and get home. Well, here's my next testimony. About a week later, I received a check from an anonymous donor for $1 thousand dollars the exact amount that we were in the hole for that three months and that was i gave six dollars and god blessed me with a thousand now please don't misunderstand me don't think if you go out and give some homeless person six bucks you're going to get a check but god met my need at that time i helped somebody else with a small need and then god helped me with a greater need i think you can see a pattern here that when I have been faithful in tithing my money and giving it, Christ has been faithful in fulfilling our needs. In a church this size, we have folks in here who have made way more than I ever did in 43 years of Christian ministry. Way more. I discovered this even as a director of school when parents would come in and they were making double what I was making with 43 years of education and a master's degree and everything else. I learn that. But I also understand there are folks in here who haven't made as much. They maybe were in a different type of occupation or trade, didn't pay as much, or they've experienced some financial difficulties that I have not experienced. But regardless of your financial status, are you going to be obedient and put God to the test by giving the 10% that is found in the Scripture? Next, I want to talk a little bit about financial integrity. I'm going to look at a couple of verses here. 
Proverbs 11.1, 1. I told you guys on several occasions that I read a chapter in a book of Proverbs every morning when I wake up to start my day because there is so much wisdom for living in a book of Proverbs. So this one I came across, Proverbs 11.1, 1, the Lord detests dishonest scales. He detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights and measures find favor with him. And then in chapter 20, there are two more verses that say virtually the same thing. Verse 10, differing weights and differing measures, the Lord detests them both. Verse 23, the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. So, I have a question to ask you. If you are working in a business or you're in a financial office handling the the money for the company, are you handling that with integrity? Even in Christian organizations, people sometimes have been tempted to take the petty cash and stuff it in their pockets because the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and money is so tempting, especially if the things are tight. Are you ap- operating with integrity? If you uh, do any side work and you accept cash, are you reporting that on your income tax at the end of the year? I do a little side work. I make a few dollars here and there. I log it in and I reported at the end of the year because I'm an elder in this church and I'm a Christian and I'm not going to come up here and preach to you a message that I'm not living on my own. So I report that money and I pay the tax on it. Um, So we need to have integrity. And then I have to ask this question too. Are there hindrances in your personal spending that are keeping you from tithing your money. And I'll give you some examples. One is you like material possessions, so you pull the credit card out of your wallet and you go into the store or you go online and you do your shopping. Then you get your credit card bill and you can't pay the bill because there's not enough money in the paycheck. So they zap you with a 20% interest rate or 25% interest rate or a 29% interest rate. And then you get in debt and you have trouble paying that off because you've misspent your money and you've gotten yourself into debt. Now the credit card company has got you. And of course, you see commercials on TV where there are credit agencies. A lot of times can renegotiate, maybe get you the loan for 10% to pay off that debt. Here's something else that is really, really alarming. With everything, all the immorality we see in America today, the big thing is online gambling and gaming and betting. Maryland has just got into this. Every time, I love sports. So every time I'm watching a sporting event on TV, it doesn't matter whether it's golf, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, they got the Hollywood celebrities and the former athletes coming on. We will give you $200 in free bets. And they suck you in, and then you get in there, and of course, they know the mathematical odds that for the majority of people who bet, they're going to lose money. Yeah, there are a couple that are gifted and are maybe luckier with the odds and make some money, but the majority of people lose money and they get sucked in. And, you know, there have been people that have, you know, gone to loan sharks because they get in a hole, and then when they don't pay the money there, they get beaten up and sometimes they even get killed. So here's what I have to say about the integrity and in finances. Handle your money correctly. Report your income. Don't take income from a business that's not yours. Don't spend unnecessarily. And don't get into gambling. If you're doing any of these things, please stop. Because if you get your finances in order and you begin to tithe, God's going to take care of your needs. Now that leads me to the next story. 
about the poor widow. You might remember the story, it's in Mark 12, 42, when Jesus was in the temple and his disciples were with him, and some of the wealthy were going up and they were putting the large amounts into the offering plate. Of course, they want to be seen. Look at me, how great I'm giving, and you know, the Lord's got to love me because I'm giving this money. And then this poor widow comes along, and she gives these two small coins, uh, two mites, maybe one sixty-fourth of a day's uh, wages. And you can see the verse here, the poor widow placed two small coins into the offering plate and was commended by Jesus because although she was poor, she gave everything she had. That was her last money, but she was still faithful in giving that to God. So... The next thing I want you to think about here is what your giving is like when you're giving to charities. And we're going to call this caring for the needs of others. There are legitimate charities in the United States of America, most of them, of course, being Christian organizations. There are some secular organizations that that have very tight control over the finances, and they have a a great track record dispersing, I'm going to say 90% of their income actually goes to helping those that the money is designated for. I am very skeptical of organizations where the executives or even Christian organization where the pastors are making hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year having people tithe money or give charitable contributions, and they're lining their pockets, and only a small amount goes to the needs of the people they're supposed to be serving. There's one large relief organization in America that I found out only gave 10% of the money that came in in these disasters, and the executive was making well over a million dollars a year. I stopped giving. I was very impressed with two ministers, One of them, Billy Graham, you know, he passed away a year or two ago, preached the gospel around the world. And I remember reading probably about 25 years ago that Billy Graham accepted a salary of $75,000 a year. He didn't take royalties from the books that he wrote, from the television appearances and the crusades that he went to because he wanted to manage his money with integrity and wanted to be an example. And he wanted the money to go out for the gospel of Christ. The other guy, I'm starting the Book of Revelation series. I invite you to come to that next Sunday morning at 845. But the other guy that um, I've read a lot of his works and I've listened to his testimony, he passed away about a year ago, Jack Van Impey. He's a prophecy preacher who memorized 10,000 or more scriptures in his life. And and I'm going to weave together some of the scriptures that he shared in his study. But Jack Van Impey and Rexella, his wife, they they had a TV program. They encouraged people to give to it. But when he went to a crusade, he wouldn't even fly. He did not want to spend the money on a flight. He took a van and they traveled, even if it was halfway across the country. Nobody would have complained if he took a flight. He got up into his 70s and 80s, and he's doing these crusades, and he is driving a van. Unlike some other pastors that you may see on TV to say, I need my own private jet to fly to crusades. You think, wow, you won't even sit with people on a plane to be a witness, and you're doing this? So I want you to be careful 
in your charitable giving not to give to ungodly organizations, organizations that misspend your money or the top are greedy. We have organizations in America that sponsor poor children in third world countries. I support an organization called Compassion International, and I have two kids that my wife and I are sponsoring. There are organizations that support our veterans and help them with their physical, emotional, and financial needs. There are four of those that I give to. I watch very carefully where they put their money. There are those that help with disaster relief. And one of those primary organizations is called Samaritan's Purse. And that's now headed by Franklin Graham, who's Billy Graham's son. And when there's a disaster, they have plain load of supplies. They did this in Ukraine. Not only do they feed and clothe the people, they share the gospel of Christ. There are organizations that help people with medical expenses for children that are suffering from cancer or their special needs children. There are organizations that provide scriptures like the American Bible Society. They hand out Bibles all over the world. Uh, those that involved in prison ministries. So you get my gist. There are charitable organizations that you can also contribute some of your money to for the cause of Christ to help people. So we'll read this next passage, which you're familiar with from Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothing you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king replied, I truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Wow. In your charitable giving to these different organizations, once again, the gospel of Christ can be shared. And it's as if you're doing it for Christ himself. Our last topic here is about the blessings of giving. In Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, this is very similar to the Malachi passage that we looked at earlier. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. With new wine. I want to say this. Some people go to churches where there are prosperity preachers that preach, and they want people to give the money. And that's so they can get wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. They live in a million, two million dollar house. They drive Mercedes Benz and motorcycles. They have a helicopter or jet to, to shuttle them around. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about if you honor God with your tithe, the first fruits of your wealth, he's going to take care of your physical needs. And prosperity preaching is evil. It is anti-biblical. It goes against caring for the poor and for the needy. So let's make that clear. Uh, next verse. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
once again, some people misuse this for prosperity preaching. I don't look at it that way. I look at it, God's going to meet your needs if you're willing to be generous in what you're giving. And then I really like this next verse. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And if you've ever helped somebody in need and saw that need taken care of, tell me that doesn't do something for you internally, give you joy to see that you've helped others. So to wrap up this sermon, I'm going to say this. There are scriptural references in both the Old Testament, starting all the way back in the book of Genesis and going throughout the New Testament that talk about the principle of giving. And the tithe does mean 10%. It doesn't mean you can't give more. You can certainly give more. But I believe that the tithe at 10% is the minimum amount that we should give. If you truly know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you want to live and love like Jesus and help others to do the same, you want this gospel message to be spread in this community and around the world, then I challenge you to be obedient in Christ in your giving and to begin to make your tithe next week in the, in the first, got the boxes in the back, you can do the online giving. I want you to think about this. This church has a budget. Well, we have Dennis, who's full-time on staff, and you know, Courtney and Chriselle, uh, John Watham, other people. We have a Christian school here and teachers. We have expenses there. We have missionaries on the field that we're supporting both long-term and short-term missionaries. We have uh, Kirsten that we sent out on a 10-month mission trip. We have the Edelins. I'm new to the church, so I don't know all the missionaries yet, but they depend on our tithes and offerings so they can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. We have a building. We have grounds. We have utilities. This costs money. I don't know anybody here that's making six figures of income. Our church certainly doesn't have millions of dollars in reserve. We would pave the parking lot and do a few other things if we did that. But I'm just talking about meeting the basic needs of this church. I know the leadership here. I know the money is spent very carefully. So once again, for the cause of Christ and for obedience to the gospel, if you're a Christian and don't tithe, I challenge you to start immediately. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, and I thank you for your faithfulness to your word. I've seen it in my own life, that as we have tithed our money to you, you have met our needs. And Lord, I want to pray that you will touch the hearts of the people in here, that you'll prod them if they're not giving, and then that you'll keep your promise that no matter what their financial condition, as they begin to tie their money back to you, that you will bless them with their basic needs. Continue to be with Grace Church of Waldorf and all of its ministry endeavors uh, for all of our missionaries, that we can spread the gospel of Christ throughout the world. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.